Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The following is a CA original. The mighty sound of the South. Tailgating on Tiger Lane. Tom Three at the Liberty Bowl. Each one a Memphis football tradition. This is the Tiger Football Podcast. What's going on, Tiger Football fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Football Podcast. Memphis is 2-0 after a nice win over Southern, heading into a road game against South Alabama. I am Mark Giannato, the Commercial Appeal Sports columnist. I'm joined by Evan Barnes, our Tiger football beat writer, as well as Jason Munns, our producer and Tiger basketball beat writer and just jack-of-all-trades. Um, I don't know if I'd call the Southern win impressive, but it was it was. Expected. It was, it was what you needed. Yeah, was, you know, they started off slow, you know, which understandable coming off the old Miss win and playing an FCS opponent. Um, but the offense looked better. Um, the defense allowed 15 yards the entire second half. Brady White, I thought, had maybe his best game at Memphis. Um, so, all in all, you got what you needed out of it, is how I guess I would phrase it. Evan, what what have you learned about this team through two games that might be applicable as this schedule gets tougher going forward? Well, I think this team is, can be balanced if they get their stuff together completely for a full game. Um, I don't think we've seen a complete game from them. So I think what I've learned is um, they're a work in progress. They still got things they need to fix, but the potential is there for Brady to, you know, potentially make better throws. The defense to obviously, you know, make statements. Special teams, I think, has probably made the most consistent statement is, you know, the two pump blocks they had. They should have had a third one, um, as Mike pointed out today, at his uh, media availability. But overall, I mean, I think, you know, we're still trying to figure out kind of what this team is because the defense has gotten better. The offense, we'll see maybe this week at South Alabama, but I don't know. I think we're still trying to figure that part out. Yeah, I think this we'll get some more clues, I think, this weekend. Their first road game. South Alabama's a team. I think they lost by a couple touchdowns in Nebraska in week one, but it was a one-score game going into the fourth quarter. Um, they won this past week. They gave Memphis a decent game last year at the Liberty Bowl. Um, I'm sure the people in Mobile are going to be excited about having a team of Memphis's caliber coming down there. It, it kind of gets at an interesting, I guess, trend in college football. Like, I think we're going to – one, Memphis has more of these types of trips scheduled, whether it's Louisiana, Monroe, and a couple in next month, or going forward with North Texas and Arkansas State and teams like that. And I think University of Texas, San Antonio. Next year. Um, yeah, they've got road trips like this because partly – because teams won't face Power Five teams are, you know, scared to face them now. Now that the program is so strong, but also there's this trend in college football now that these Power Five teams are are generally speaking moving forward. I think not scheduling home and homes with 
AAC, CUSA type programs anymore. Um, we already saw Memphis had to do a two for one with Arkansas. And at the time, I said I thought it set a bad precedent because if you're trying to get, if you're trying to renew a series with Ole Miss or Mississippi State or Missouri, which Memphis has home and homes with all of those schools right now, I guess the Ole Miss one just ended. But like now, if I'm one of those schools, I'm saying, well, the going rate's a two for one. That's what I, I want. What you did with Arkansas, um, and so it's an interesting dilemma. These schools find them schools like Memphis now find themselves in. I mean, you've got Nick Saban saying he would he wants to play five, twelve Power Five conference games a year, um, and so I'm curious how new Memphis athletic director Laird Veach proceeds in this realm. I think their schedules are pretty much done through like 2024, 2025. Yeah, 2022, they have all their non-conference games. They have three non-conference games scheduled for 2023. And then after 2024, it gets a little bit more open. What do you, Jason, what do you think about this trend in college football? I mean, as a guy who covered Southern Miss for years and years and years, not that many years. Jeez Louise. Years and years and years and years. That was like four that years feels, and years That feels years. like 16 years. <laughs> we covered Ole Miss for years. a while. Southern Miss. Southern Ole Miss. Excuse me. Southern Miss <laughs> for a while. Got getting my Get misses right. messed up. Um, no, I think it's here to make of it. I think it's here to stay. I think it, uh, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't see it. I, I think the slope that, you know, this is on it's it's past the point of no return. I I don't see. I mean, you may get a few here and there, home and homes, but it's going to be far more the exception to the rule than anything else. Uh, I, I think these two for ones are just um, they're not going anywhere. And if you're the if you're the group of five program, you take what you can get uh, at this stage. I mean, because because of exactly what Nick Saban's talking about, either either. You know, either it's two for one or nothing. If if you if if Nick Saban gets what he wants, Evan, do you like the fact that they're gonna go? I mean, take out that you know maybe they can't like. Do you like the fact they're gonna go to Mobile and Monroe, Louisiana, and North Texas and Arkansas State? Do you think that's do you think that's good for Memphis? Because it's it feels like they're trading in going from like take the Ole Miss game. They went. They were the role. Basically, the role. Ole Miss and Missouri and Mississippi State take on when they face Memphis. That's the role Memphis is taking on when they face South Alabama. It's like a game where, I mean, quite frankly, if Memphis wins, they don't really gain anything. And if they lose, it seems like they lose a lot of momentum. It, the, the stakes are much higher if they lose. There, there's just nothing to really gain from this game. I I feel like they're stuck between a rock and a hard place in a lot of ways with scheduling the, it, these types of games. It feels hard because I mean, like, what what can they do? I mean, yeah. you're trying. The fans want to schedule, you know, the big boys, and the big boys basically are like, well, we want to play with our, each other. So it's almost like what? Or you got to come here, right. right? You know, it's like what what can you do? So I feel like it's almost like Mike was saying today. You know, he likes these regional games because of recruiting, but you know. Do I want to go to Mobile? I mean, Mobile sounds a fun city. Mobile's nice. It's Monroe that I think is the uh, yeah. No, no, no offense taken. In case you guys are wondering, I was I was born there. So in Monroe, yes, I was. Oh, really? With, uh, a long time ago, on a years and years and years and years ago, on a dark and stormy night, I was born in Monroe, Louisiana. But 
so yeah, no, but I, <laughs> no, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, I'm curious what Mike would say. Like, you know, he he's gonna toe the company line sure. publicly. Like, right. You know, and I do think he, you know, if you can't get the Power Five teams, maybe that's that's the alternative. You gotta schedule teams where you recruit schools where you, if you're gonna have to go on the road, schools where you recruit and schools where your fan base can easily travel to the game, which is what Mobile is. Monroe sort of is. Monroe feels like a, or Funroe, as some may some sometimes refer to it. Uh, that has a much more. It's not that far from Dallas, and and they recruit Dallas. Yeah. So and North Texas is right outside of Dallas. It's like forty minutes up the road. So, you know, it's pretty clear what those two. Oh yeah, uh, the, well, the motivation behind and Ren Baker, the former he used to work at Memphis as the AD at North Texas. I'm sure that helped. Yeah, yeah, uh, and grease the wheels, if you will. And so, no, it's 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 fascinating to see because I think to me you'd you're you'd ideally want. I've always said the ideal schedule for Memphis is having two Power Five home and homes going on simultaneously at all times, to so that you have. One road game against a Power Five each year, and one home game. So now that is that is what that appears to be uh, fantasy land at this point. Like that's just not going to happen yeah, anymore. Yeah. When I was when I was at Southern Miss, that was their blueprint. It wasn't, although it wasn't necessarily home and homes with Power Five. Like fives. a home or in a guarantee game type of thing. They would take whatever they could get. Two Power Five opponents, one Group of Five opponent, and then an FCS opponent. That's what I think Memphis should do. If ide- ideally, that's the point Memphis is at as a program. That should be the schedule. Yeah. yeah. But there's a lot of complicating factors. It appears, and and it'll be interesting. Laird Veach has a lot of Power Five connections. That's Once true. he enters the scheduling fray, does that help Memphis? Um, yeah, that'll be an interesting, uh, interesting one to watch. Keep an eye on. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Um, Mike Norvell had some injury updates today. Um, do we think? Do we think Patrick Taylor is going to play against South Alabama, Evan? I would bet not. I mean, Mike said he was doubtful. Um, we saw him on the sidelines using a boot. I would not expect to see number six out there. And he probably won't be out there for a couple of weeks, Mike said. He said, you know, they're still evaluating. But instead of saying, you know, we'll evaluate him week to week, he said, you know, it could be out a few weeks. So well, if, he, well, if he misses this game, he'll then have, what, another 10 days or so? Between or 12 now, days. 12 days between now and Navy. To, to heal Navy. up for Navy. So that may be Navy? Possibly could be Navy. I mean, we'll have to see. But um, it is weird when you see somebody like, say, O'Brien Goodson who didn't play. He was walking around the sidelines. Patrick Taylor was sitting there on the bench in a boot. I'm concerned how serious that injury is because that's not something you think three, two weeks he can come back from. And they said something about Chris Claybrooks, right? Yeah, he said Chris Claybrooks, who hasn't made his season debut yet, he'll be out at least three to four more weeks. Could be sooner, depending on his recovery, but obviously that would be a big boost because of his speed, and obviously they loved him at DB because he can close close out really well and has great instincts. So that could be a boost by the time AAC play comes around is that they have him back. Is what we saw out of Brady White against Southern sustainable? Pushing the ball down the field, both you got both the accuracy and you got the downfield threat. But again, it was against a Southern team that I believe was missing its two starting cornerbacks. Yeah. In addition to being an FCS school, is what we saw sustainable, or at least a portion of that sustainable? Memphis fans used to hope so. I don't know if it is because I would love to see it on the road 
where Brady has struggled on the road. His numbers have declined greatly on the road compared to where they are at the Liberty Bowl. So I want to see it on the road before I say that he can do this. But I would say he needs to at least have some of that because this offense without Patrick Taylor needs to move the ball down the field. They need to be able to give easier lanes for Gainwell and Kyle Watkins, and that only comes when Brady and those receivers can make things happen downfield. So I would hope it is because they need this offense to eventually – you know, morph into that while Patrick Taylor recovers. Well, I think the key is with all that is they just need Brady needs to be able to keep defenses honest. He does not need to push the ball down the field all the time. But when teams are going to stack the box, he needs to be able to make them pay for doing that. He did that against Southern, and it was refreshing. It was encouraging. Um, and the other question is, is you know, I have with Patrick Taylor is. Whether he comes back against Navy or Temple or even a game beyond that, is the is how serious this injury appears to be. It doesn't seem to be a major injury, but it doesn't appear to be a minor injury. Is the Patrick Taylor that returns the rest of the year going to be 100% Patrick Taylor? I've got a sneaking suspicion even once he comes back, you're going to get like 80% Patrick Taylor. You know what I mean? Like it just When you have an injury that appears to be a month-long injury, potentially. Like, you don't just come back 100% from that. And again, that that going back to Brady, that puts a lot of pressure on Brady to deliver more than what he... Deliver... It, be more like the quarterback he was Saturday than the one he was against Ole Miss. I'm not saying he's going to be the... He's not going to go 17 of 21 for 300-something yards and... You know, have like six or seven plays of forty or more yards, passing plays of forty or more yards. But he's got. I think he. I think for this team to reach its potential, he's got to be closer to that than than he than the guy who showed up against Ole Miss. Yeah, and I mean, just kind of going off memory here, he's played fifteen games for Memphis, right? And sixteen, I think. Sixteen. Sixteen. 13 last year? Or was the 14, it was 14 last 14 year. 14 last year. Okay, so 14. Uh, that's right, because the conference championship game. Uh, so 16 games, and we've seen it three times where he's gone over 300, over 300 yards. yards. So who are they against? UConn. Mercer. Mercer and Southern. So two FCS teams and, and arguably <laughs> one of the worst defenses the FBS has seen in quite some time. So I think. What I'm saying is the sample size now is big enough to where we kind of know who he is. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, would we all love him to be uh, able to put up those kinds of numbers against everybody? Sure, you know, but I, I just, I'm not convinced. He's going to have to, you know, he's going to have to show that type of production. He's going to have to produce that way against. Even if he does it against South Alabama, I would be encouraged. Yeah, but I'm not encouraged after after a Southern a home game against Southern University where their two starting corners were out. Granted, they were missing Patrick Taylor, uh, and so and and granted the offensive line is nowhere near the same as it was last year. Well, I will say a big difference between game one and game two is he had an he 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 wasn't running for his life. Oh, he had plenty of time. Two. He, had, plenty yeah, of he time. had time in the pocket, and I don't know if that's realistic. Exactly. Against tougher opponents. Yeah. I'm not so sure that he will have as much time against South Alabama as he did against Southern. And so, I don't know. I just, I feel like we, I, I, you know, until further notice, I think we know who Brady White is. Now, the wild card is 
I think, whereas I, you know, the defense, I think, I think that first half was a little fluky in the sense that I don't think they were really up for the game. For sure. And Southern, it sounds like, did some things they weren't expecting. And in an encouraging development, they made adjustments at halftime right. and totally shut down Southern in the second half. Right. And do I think they're going to give up 15 yards a half to other people? No. But I think that is more indicative of what this defense might be this year. It should also be noted that Southern switched quarterbacks at halftime, too. They went to their backup for some reason for, like, the majority of the second half. Right. And so... Uh, well, and it should be noted, Ole Miss moved the ball a lot better against Arkansas than it did against Memphis. This they true. also... You know, we were talking about it last week on here, or maybe we were talking about it somewhere else, but the fact that Memphis fans need to hope Ole Miss is pretty good, and I, I saw a tweet today uh, that they're ranked in the SP Plus rankings. What is S&P S&P, S&P uh, their defense is ranked eighth in the country right now after two games. Yeah, well, after I mean, I, they, they look, their defense was solid against Memphis. Yeah. Arkansas looks like... A big pile of poop. I mean, like that program, that, that is the worst team in the SEC. Okay. Um, so and that says a lot because what we saw from UT. Yes. I mean, I, I mean, Arkansas is in it. Like, people are all focused on UT because it's been just embarrassing. Sure. Given the, the history of the program. But, like, Arkansas has got a chance to go 0-8 in SEC play two years in a row. Like, a very good chance. Like, that was their chance to win an SEC game this year. And they missed it. Yes. Wow. So... Um. Yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, like, basically, if you look at all the regional teams, the only regional team you could argue is in a better spot than Memphis is Mississippi State. Right. And even yeah. that, I, you could make the you know, we'll see how good Mississippi State ends up being. Yeah, I, I they feel I feel like middle of the road. But they're still a bowl team in the SEC. Yeah. You know, they, they, they still look like a bowl team, whether yeah. it's 6-6, six 7-5, and six, seven and five, something like yeah, that. But I agree. Regardless. Um, what about the other thing that came out of the press conference today, Rodriguez? Oh, Rodriguez. Clark. Clark. That, that, to me, is like yeah, the biggest. Yeah, he's not going to redshirt. Yeah, so Mike said he's not going to redshirt him. He was very adamant. Like, with Gainwell, he told us last year that he loved calling his number. We'll That's see. huge. But he was pretty clear when it was the fourth game, Gainwell did not play. Here's what I'll say. I think it clues you into right. – Patrick Taylor's health. I think you're right. Mm. I think if 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 Patrick Taylor is healthy, I think they're much more reticent about burning Rodriguez Clark's. Now, Mike said it was partly because of his impact on special teams as well, but I just think I think they view well, you know, like Tim Taylor and and Kylan Watkins are nice running backs. Change of pace, nice. Yeah, I think they pace. view like the pecking order is Patrick Taylor. Gainwell, Rodriguez, Clark. Well, I say Watkins a little bit above him, but yeah. Well, I mean, the coaches I've talked to behind the scenes, that Clark kid, he's from Starkville. Yeah. Like, they think he might be the next Daryl Henderson in a year or two. No, they love him. And when even, even in the summer, I was hearing from people, like, he's the real deal. Yeah. And you can tell right when they start taking guys out. Like, for, like for, I think Watkins and Taylor are only, were only ahead of him on the depth chart because I think until a week ago, I right. think they thought they were going to redshirt Rodriguez Clark. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and, and Clark, Watkins was, Clark, and, Clark was the first running back off the bench after Watkins and mm-hmm. Gainwell went out, so yeah. they really like him, and he, mm-hmm. he ran really well. So I think people should get used to seeing Rodriguez Clark a little bit more. Yeah, totally. yeah that's a big development in my mind. Yeah, and uh, no, to me, I think it's in. I, I think it's just it tells you that. Yeah. Like I said, this Patrick Taylor injury is not major in that he's out for the year or something like that, 
but it's not minor either. It doesn't sound like. Yeah, I mean, and I'm I see looking at it from that point of view, but also from the point of view of when you do get Patrick Taylor back. Mm-hmm. I mean, then you become a three-headed monster potentially. Well, and then you also got the, what Travion Samuel too. Yeah, and Samuel did got a lot of. They got some weapons. Guys. Yeah, yeah. Got some Ironically, weapons. as we as we talk about what it is Clark right now, Mike Norvell just retweeted something about how Clark in his first game had the touchdown and the pump block led to a touchdown. So I think uh, we're going to see a lot of uh, Mr. Clark coming soon. So uh, Evan, how do you see the South Alabama game playing out? Well, I think last year's game will not be. Last year's game, you take into consideration that they had a pretty good passing game and the cornerbacks got burned. Memphis the cornerbacks got burned. South Alabama's more of a running team this year, it seems like. If O'Brien Goodson plays, I feel more confident they're going to be able to sh- stop them. Do you think he plays? I don't know. If this feel, he feels like, again, another one, especially if he, like, he's, you need him 100% for the Navy game. Like, right, he is right, so, right, like, right. Play, yeah. like, I wouldn't play him. Personally, if he's if he's not 100%, I'm not playing him in this South Alabama game. I'm hoping you can get by without him, and then he has another 12 days to get ready for that triple option. Because, I mean, a, you know, a, guy, a space eater is so vital. A guy who can take up two blockers is right. so vital yeah. against right. that Navy triple option. Yeah. So back to the game, I think Memphis should win this game. I'll take Memphis to win, but I think that – I want to see the passing game really come alive this week because obviously Brady hasn't had a great road game or neutral site game since the ECU game last year. He needs to have a great game, and if he does, Memphis goes to three and zero. Yeah, that, I think that's the key. Brady's got to if Brady's got to play. I don't. I'm not saying he's got to play like he did against Southern, but, but he's, he's got to be he, sharp. Yeah, he's, he's got to be sharp because I, I just don't. I don't think this is going to be an easy game. No. Um, I think they should win. Yep. But I don't think it's going to be an easy game. Um, I agree. But I do think they win. I think I think the defense. I don't think they're going to need to score. I think if they can get to thirty points, they can win this game. I'll put it that way. I think the defense will do enough to where if you can get to thirty, you can, you can feel good. Yeah, yeah, I'll agree with that. I mean, I don't I don't have any doubt that. Memphis. I don't understand how it's it's like a it opened as a twenty point spread yeah, in Memphis. Yeah, it's crazy. And it went down, it's down to eighteen and a half. Um, Still crazy. Yeah, now, now to be fair, like how good is Nebraska? I don't know. They lost to Colorado, so like that. I think that's what people are judging this on. That okay. South Alabama didn't necessarily beat a great Nebraska. Yeah, yeah, I think, or didn't necessarily come close to. So we'll see, and like I, I was always my thinking during the off season was always the Monroe game was going to be tougher than the South Alabama game. And to that point, Monroe should have probably should have beaten Florida state this past week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but should have at least gone to another overtime if nothing else. Right. Yes. And so, yeah, so I, that's how I put it. How do you see this, Jason? I think Memphis is going to win. Um, I think we will see, I think Brady, I predict Brady white will be somewhere between, the Brady White of Ole Miss and the Brady White of Southern. I think you're right. I think yeah. I think that's what we're going to see. You know, two forty to two sixty yards and a touchdown and maybe an interception. You know, something like that. Two sixty wouldn't be bad given his numbers because, like I said, it's all about keeping the defense honest with you. Yeah, him. right. Like you just you, you can defenses cannot South Alabama cannot just put eight guys in the box and feel good about it. That's right. Like if they're going to do that, Brady's got to make them pay. Yep, so. and they'll have to get another 
you know, another nice game from the defense. And if you can get some help from special teams like you have the first two weeks, then so much the better. Yeah. Well, it'll be a fascinating one this week. A little more interesting than the Southern game. Evan will uh, be down there in Mobile chronicling all the action. Make sure you check out his work on uh, commercialappeal.com. Maybe uh, follow him on Twitter at Evan underscore B. Maybe he'll take some pictures of the great Gulf seafood he'll be eating while he's down there. <laughs> yeah, enjoy it. It's a fun well, city. I've, heard Mobile's, I've never been there. I've, I've heard great. All my friends who cover the NFL love it when they go to the Senior Bowl. So Yeah, it's um, fun. I'm a little envious. I will honor you guys' wishes. I'll eat good. All right, well, uh, till next time, I was Mark. I was joined by Evan and Jason. Thank you so much for joining us on the Tiger Football Podcast. Uh, We will be back, uh, hopefully, after another Memphis win next week. A new episode of the Tiger Football Podcast posts each Tuesday during the regular season. You can also subscribe to the show for free on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. I'm Sean King. The Tiger Football Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.